0: EM Board Bombs. Now, here's Doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs.
1: Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we continue to provide board education and material in innovative manners. Mm. I am, with Father Saint, joined by my colleague here, Dr. Blake Briggs. Salutations. Salutations. Uh, this is a continuing collaboration that we have with ASEP's Gear of Board Review. They give us questions, and we give them our voices, some humor, you know, some of our recording knowledge, our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> For each 15-minute episode, I don't even think it's 15, we're kind of down to like 10 yep. We dropped some high-yield bore knowledge. Come for the STEM, stay for the content. Sign up on our website at emborebombs.com. Twitter at emborebombs. you got thousands of followers. Do our airway module for free. It's got thousands of people doing it. When are we going to pass the 10,000 mark? That's what I'm I know, me to. too. Hey, Dr. Briggs, let's do this topic. Let's get into this. A 30-year-old otherwise healthy male presents to you the chief complaint of chest pain. He tells you he has pericarditis and would like you to do labs, get an echo, and consider admitting him to the hospital. You know, his pain is better when he sits up, uh, leans forward, Uh, he has some fevers, his heart rate's elevated, and he recently had a viral infection. Hmm, Perfect. He states he's already, you know, started over-the-counter NSAIDs and requests you give him a dose of colgicine while he awaits for his laboratory workup and imaging workup to commence. When again, you press him on how he knows he has pericarditis, he states that his name is Sherlock Holmes. Never heard of him. Right, and he looks at you deep in your eyes and says, elementary, my dear Watson. <laughs> <laughs> elementary, my dear Watson. Which of the following is a criteria for hospital admission? Is it criteria or criterion? That's a great what, question. What, right? I'm going to look that up as you do this. Uh, you're going to look that up. I think our uh, ESA folks said criterion. <laughs> mm-hmm. For hospital admission in a young, otherwise healthy person with newly diagnosed pericarditis is it a acute onset b elevated c reactive protein c fever or d hypertension dr briggs what's the correct answer
0: correct answer is going to be what i bet no one picks choice c fever right not the c-reactive protein people no no we'll get into that <laughs> this is a pretty good question I, I like this question hey before we go in any further criterion yes. criterion if you're right. french right is singular plural okay. is criteria oh that's interesting i know it's kind of the opposite you think it's kind of like alumni and alumnus <laughs> so asap did a great job with this then yeah
1: they did it grammatically correct yes <laughs> Which we wouldn't have. Let's be honest. No, it this would have totally slipped through all our edit checks that we have. Yeah, you know, we have very comprehensive edit checks <laughs> that we do, which includes typing these questions like five minutes before we start. But, but,
0: but, <laughs> yes, we have a extensive uh, Swiss cheese model, um, and if the Swiss cheese model had one hole all the way through, that's ours. <laughs> anyways, anyway, let's get into this. All right. So, hey, so. Acute pericarditis. <laughs> I'm taking the reins here. Just do it. This going to... I'm going to mute myself and laugh. <laughs> I'm muting myself. All right. Acute pericarditis. Hey, guess what? That is inflammation of the pericardium. And that presents with sharp pleuritic retrosternal chest pain and changes with body position. So it's worse with lying down. Here's the stats on this. In real life, greater than 95% of patients with pericarditis have chest pain. That's not hard. The problem is, is that we all know... Clinically diagnosing types of chest pain is kind of a big no-no. Clinicians are usually only about seventy percent accurate for a cardiac origin of chest pain. So that means thirty percent of patients you're going to be wrong on, and that's pretty unacceptable. Right. Um, unless you're Sherlock Holmes. Unless you're Sherlock. Yeah. Holmes. Exactly. Or continue. I'm no, sorry. Or Khan from Star Trek. Sorry, yeah. Forgot it. Yeah. Yeah. We got to include him. So exam might reveal a pericardial friction rub. It's the most common finding, and it's highly specific for pericarditis. Its intensity waxes and wanes over hours, and it's best heard with the diaphragm of the stethoscope. Remember, that's the um, that's that one side of the stethoscope you have to turn (laughs) on the. Oh man! To turn to make sure that that part is on. Hey, when's the last time you flipped your stethoscope? When's the last time you did it? Don't don't ask that. That's gonna be embarrassing for the for the podcast. All right, continue. (laughs) I'll, I'll be I'll be frank with you. I use ultrasound to make more critical decisions than my stethoscope daily. Okay. All right.
1: Continue. Oh, boy. I did it yesterday
0: when I was demonstrating for medical students in the ER. Did You do listen to bowel sounds? <laughs> so the sensitivity varies of the friction rub, and no solid studies are available. Get this. <laughs> the study's hilarious. They did a small study of 100 patients, and a rub was heard in 85%. In another study, though, it was 35%. <laughs>
1: So, you know, I push back on that because when one of my medical students tells me they're hearing a friction rub, I take them extremely seriously.
0: Hmm. What do you do then? Dot, 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 dot. Oh, man. But in all seriousness, um, your guess is as good as ours, how how common the friction rub is. I'm sure it depends on the um, listener, the experience, and the patient itself. It's a good specific sign if you hear it. And you should be listening to all your patients' hearts with cardiac complaints, for sure. For sure, for sure. As not much as we joke, being around. real. As much as we joke around about yeah. things because it's fun to make
1: jokes. But yep, it's gotta live life. YOLO.
0: <laughs> you only listen once. Yes, that's clearly what I was saying. <laughs> all right. So, what's the diagnosis, of pericarditis? How do you diagnose pericarditis? ECG. Do yeah. the ECG. Yeah. All right.
1: Labs are not as helpful as you think they might be, and certainly you want to rule out other causes. Mm-hmm. Definitely want to get a troponin. Be suboptimal if you have ECG changes. oh boy <laughs> troponin um, if a troponin's is elevated this could be ACS right um, or the patient might have myopericarditis uh, which is interesting because you're around 30% of patients with pericarditis it will have elevated troponins hmm. We have the basic labs. We're going to be checking CBC, CMP. You're going to be getting that chest X-ray as well. We actually don't recommend CRP or ESR unless you're concerned about myocarditis. Uh, these are neither sensitive, you know, neither specific for pericarditis. That's important. Pericarditis. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to be getting the ESR, CRP, anyways? Yeah, I would. Yeah, probably. I'd love to. I'd
0: love to see the folks who don't. Yeah, you have to. It's just, I wouldn't hang, you'd never hang your hat on those though, ever. No, you wouldn't. You Absolutely. Wouldn't.
1: Yeah. So again, chest x-ray is normal unless you're going to see a large pericardial effusion. Chest x ray should not be used to rule out effusion as greater than approximately, you know, 200 mLs is needed to even begin to show changes on a chest x-ray, which is not, uh, not a small amount, guys.
0: Hey, what's a better idea? I don't know. Uh, maybe just do the echo, bedside echo. Uh, yeah, bedside echo or formal study should be performed. In most cases of acute pericarditis, it's going to be normal. However, the presence of a pericardial fusion, however small, can help rule in pericarditis, but its absence doesn't rule it out. So, really, it's kind of one of those if you see it, great. If you don't, for whatever. So, let's talk about the disposition here of these patients. That's where the question is getting into. And just as a side note here, check out our handout on pericarditis on our website it gets into the nuts and bolts of how to diagnose pericarditis kind of what we've been hinting at and also talking about the ekg changes comparing it to stemi comparing it to benign early repolarization that'll definitely teach you some of the pearls that you need to know all right so what are we doing with these patients dr usain how do we decide to admit these patients or send them home is there a good clinical criterion to help us oh no no sorry criteria
1: yes correct dang it correct yes. come on we just learned that earlier Remember, the early stage of the disease, one of the hallmark things that you're going to see is diffuse ST segment elevation. That's what you're seeing on ECG, right? Everyone talks about this PR segment depression. Check out the handout that we have that details this some more. It's kind of hard for us to show you uh, ECG changes um, in audio form. It would be fascinating if we could, though. Mm -hmm. Specifically, um, you know, you're looking at STEMI versus pericarditis versus early repol as well. The ideology of pericarditis, it's again, pretty vast, includes a lot of different things. I We kind of alluded to it in the question stem as well. Oftentimes, you know, viral, but it can also be bacterial, fungal, parasitic. You can have some malignancy, medications, renal disease, connective tissue disease. Really just think about everything here, all right? So (laughs) everything, everything. (laughs) Mainly just ask them if they got over a viral infection because that's pretty much it. (laughs) Yeah, that's all you need to know. Again, reasonable indications for admission is when you're seeing you know seeing signs of fever because that could be suspicion for a bacterial cause as well as immunosuppression and then if you're going to be seeing elevated biomarkers and start thinking about myopericarditis which is a more significant pathology mm-hmm. and i think like the most obvious one out of all of these is going to be hemodynamic instability right but if you're having hemodynamic instability you better throw that ultrasound probe on the heart absolutely because you know you're going to be thinking about um, some sort of tamponade physiology Um, a moderate to large effusion obviously warrants admission to the hospital due to that additional risk and potential for having that cardiac tamponade um, a history of active anticoagulation use is a poor prognostic factor. So you should consider that as well. So if you see a, a very, very small effusion, they don't have a fever, you're thinking about sending them home, but they're on anticoagulation, eh, eh suboptimal. All right. Mm-hmm. But again, I think like the underlying thing with this question stem and what this uh, peer question was really trying to get you to understand is that in, oftentimes, Um, outpatient management is appropriate and Mm -hmm. also understanding that um, some of these inflammatory markers aren't going to be predicting severity of disease. And I think you'll you'll get into this some more, Blake, with this next part.
0: Right. Yeah, let's go review some of these uh, wrong answers here. So acute onset is not a criterion. Criterion. See, it's French. Right. For admission. That was choice A. Most patients with pericarditis present in the acute stage of symptoms and a subacute course is an indication for admission not an acute onset here's the reason so subacute would be over weeks and chronic of course could be over months this suggests obviously a much more sinister or would you say smoldering process
1: those that have followed us understand why we like to use smoldering (laughs) and if you don't understand then you're behind then you're behind you catch up honestly you can just unsubscribe (laughs)
0: <laughs> we have too many subscribers anyway. We can lose them. Yeah, we can lose. <laughs> um, so, uh, see our endocarditis episode for funny jokes on smoldering. Yeah, th- that suggests more of a malignancy process or tuberculosis or connective tissue disorder. So, very concerning. Those patients should get a full workup. As we said earlier, elevation of inflammatory markers like C reactive protein or ESR, they don't predict any increased severity of the disease. We both said earlier that you're going to get these because you. the big issue with pericarditis and what we've been hinting at is that you're never sure if it's a STEMI, you're never sure if it's ischemic heart disease, and you're never sure if it's myocarditis. Uh, probably out of all those in a young patient, less than 30, I'd be most worried about missing myocarditis. And myocarditis is, arguably, we don't have any great stats, one of the most common causes of acute heart failure in young people. And that would be horrible to miss that and send those patients home. And so a full laboratory workup, as we've been hinting at, is reasonable. Just know that those labs don't predict anything. As we hinted at also earlier, hypotension or any hemodynamic instability, so really fast heart rate, low blood pressure, altered mental status, they indicate the need for admission. The answer choice said hypertension in D, and that's obviously not a reason for admission. And then the tachycardia really to focus on here, anytime you have tachycardia out of proportion, to what the patient's doing like out of proportion to their pain or high heart rate in a fever that is suggestive of myocarditis or myopericarditis so let's summarize here so if you're sending people home you can read our handout on this for details but remember that NSAIDs and this name that I can never pronounce that well I can't pronounce it can you pronounce it colchicine <laughs> colchicine oh man it's hard English it's was hard to say my second language come it's on. hard to say I can't get that c I don't know come why come
1: on you know that it's very rare that I can pronounce something better than you.
0: It is very rare. It's very I like rare. when you pronounce the city I moved to in Alabama. <laughs> when I when I told you initially I got a job here at, in an academic department in Mobile, Alabama, and you're like, "You mean Mobile?" <laughs> <laughs> or Mobile. Mobile. <laughs> All right, move on.
1: I did say Mobile, just to be clear. I yeah. kept saying Mobile over and over. Whatever. And over. <laughs>
0: Whatever. That's enough. So, those those two therapies are first line. Steroids, yeah. I know we always talk about, oh, steroids, 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 they actually should not be given unless the first two are contraindicated. And as a side note, steroids actually have a longer road of recovery for patients with pericarditis. So very interesting. Read our handout on it. So let's summarize everything that Dr. Hussein said right here. What additional findings should prompt inpatient care for a patient with pericarditis? So the no strict criteria with an A. <laughs> but clearly there is an element of, quote, do the right thing when it comes to thinking about those would benefit most from admission. So, one, and this was the correct answer, any fever. Two, elevated troponin, which suggests developing myocarditis or possible ischemic heart disease. Three, greater than two weeks of symptoms. Remember, we talked about subacute or chronic causes. Four, evidence of moderate to large effusions. Five, any tamponade, obvious. And then six, any immunosuppressed or anticoagulated patients. And then seven, failed outpatient course, which is really, honestly, an admission for any single patient with any condition.
1: But for the test question, I think really, the reason why we really like this question is because it's helping you to really understand that um, the inflammatory markers aren't necessarily going to be predicting the severity of the disease, and the red flags are really fever and signs of an effusion let's take us out you know why don't you take us out
0: oh okay sure i'd be happy to yeah i'm just
1: i'm just not feeling like the taking out you know like
0: you got me all fired up before we started <laughs> you know and now i'm just crashing talking about chris nolan on zimmer we need a horn blaring as i take us out uh, when are we going to start that movie podcast i know we need to we need to hey that's another bomb delivered we can do that another day
1: can you play the christopher nolan horns as we're going off
0: yeah Remember, you can find yes. us on Twitter. Our handle yes. is at EMboardBombs. Also on Instagram, at EMboardBombs. It's
1: grown like dramatically in the last little bit. Pretty amazing.
0: We have over, uh, uh, what, several thousand visitors to our website a month. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's,
1: we started out with, I remember when we were happy when we were getting like 20? 50. 20?
0: But yes, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll break a hundred. Yeah, now we're conquering the world. All right, drop us an app review. These reviews really help us. We would greatly appreciate it. If there's a particular topic you want? Let us know in the review. We're happy to cover it. We're waiting. Yeah, we are. We're waiting for some interesting things. Maybe some grammar lessons. We're good at those. Yes, that's true um, criterion. All right, see you next time. All right, take us out. <laughs> Read it. <laughs>